Hello, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. You can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And as you know, this episode is being brought to you by FHE Health, a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for first responders' needs, including PTSD, anxiety, and substance use. Take the first steps to a better life today by visiting FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. And folks, uh, actually what I want to talk to you about today is a little visit that I took down to FHE Health uh, this week and had an opportunity to have a participate in a fantastic meeting with some of the patients that were going through uh, treatment while there and uh, just had a great meeting, had a great tour, had um, you know meetings with the staff, got to meet everybody there at FHE Health and it was just a fantastic experience and I can't uh, speak highly enough about you know the staff that's down there, Kathy Hurt and her team, and um, they have great programs. They really do. And I was able to have a meeting with the first responders that were uh, going through at the time and had a great discussion, had a great meeting, and um, lots of questions about you know recovery, what it's like, what to expect. And suggestions, you know, you always get that, right? You know, we always get questions about, you know, like, how do you do this? You know, how do you do this thing? And, you know, people really struggle, you know, as we can imagine, or as you can imagine, you know, being in treatment is the easy part. While you're there, life is structured, you know, you're going to meetings, you're going to counseling sessions, you're working on yourself, you're learning about the program, uh, you know, it, it's easy. It's easy. The hard part is when you leave treatment. And I did want to discuss tonight about one of the things that I told them that they could do or the biggest suggestion that I have for them while in treatment that they can do for themselves to help them in the path to recovery once they leave treatment, because that's the hard part. And one of those things is you have to understand that when you go to treatment, you're not cured of anything. In fact, you're never cured of addiction. You have to understand that this is a disease, a progressive disease, and the disease progresses whether you're using or not. It does not go away. Now, you can put it into remission by not using, by not using drugs or alcohol, but that doesn't mean that it goes away. It just means that it's lying dormant. Now, the nice thing about addiction is that if you don't use then you don't rekindle that obsession to use. Now, I have talked about this many times before in previous podcasts, that this is a genetic predisposition. You have a genetic predisposition towards your addiction, and you have no control over that. So this is just something that you have to live with. You have this addiction, and there's nothing that you can do about it. You know, just like if you had heart disease, or if you have diabetes, if you have cancer, uh, there are certain aspects of those diseases that are out of your control, and you just learn to do certain things to help mitigate that disease. You know, if you're diabetic, there's things that you do. Um, there's things that you don't do, things that you eat, things that you don't eat. If you have cancer, there's treatments that you go to. Um, if you have uh, an eating problem, you know, you, you're going to work on that and you always have to monitor eating. Whatever your disease is, there's certain things that you have to do. And the funny thing is that addiction is the only disease where we question 
the remedies that were given. You know, after all, if you went in and talked to a doctor and your doctor uh, said that here's what you need to do for cancer, you need to have chemotherapy, you need to uh, have follow-up visits, uh, there's certain things that you need to avoid, you would do it and you wouldn't even question it. Same thing with diabetes. Same thing with all kinds of different diseases that are out there. It is only addiction where the people that tell us what we need to do and they suge- take the suggestions that they give us and then question it and then don't do what they suggest that we do. This is the only disease where people do that. But that's something that I talked about with the folks that, that were in treatment is you need to stop questioning. This is a time for you just to sit back and look around at the people that have gotten well, that have gotten into long-term sobriety, and, and those are the people that are in the program, but then also listen to the psychiatrists, the psychologists, to the uh, medical professionals, to the nurses, to the staff. These are people who have devoted their lives to helping you get well, and you have to take their suggestions, and you have to do what they ask you to do, and stop playing doctor yourself. Because something about addiction is that we always think that we know better than others, and you don't. In reality, if you are an addict, the best thing you can do is just listen to others and take advice from them and do exactly what they ask you to do. Because after all, your best decisions on your best day got you where you were. If you're sitting in a treatment center or you need to go to a treatment center or a detox, your best thinking landed you there. Think about that. So this might be a good time in your life to just sit back and allow somebody else to do the thinking for a while for you. After all, if they have long-term sobriety, they are obviously doing something right, and maybe you can benefit from that. So that was a piece of advice that I gave the the, the uh, patients while they were there. And, um, you know, people admit that it's very, very hard to, to do that, and what you see in recovery that is very, very common across the board is that people are prescribed medications that may help them. Maybe it's an SSRI. Maybe it's you know some other antidepressant or um, medications that help with cravings, whether it's Vivitrol, Naltrexone, Anabuse, things like that. And people start taking those medications. And as soon as they feel well, they stop taking the medications. Okay, well, I feel well now, so obviously I don't need to take that medication anymore. No, it was the medication that was helping you uh, feel well, and you need to keep taking those medications. And that's not even unique to addiction per se. I think that for a lot of patients, for a lot of different issues, medication management and medication adherence is very difficult. That's a that's an ongoing problem in the medical field, is getting patients to take the medications that they were given and stick to that. Now, if you are having issues, if you are really having true issues and not feeling well, anxious, um, uh, lethargic, uh, lack of sex drive, lack of whatever whatever the issue is that bothers you, it, as opposed to just stopping the medication altogether and making that decision by yourself, that is something that you need to talk to your healthcare provider about and have it adjusted maybe. You know, but don't just stop taking the medication because if you have stopped drinking and your cravings are going away, then that is due in large part because the medications are helping you. The other thing you have to remember too is many of the medications that you take may take quite some time 
to take effect, full effect, that, that is. You know, you don't just start taking a medication, uh, an antidepressant, and then you, all, you feel better the next day or maybe even the next week. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes it can take up to a month, maybe even longer of a month, for these medications to take hold and really help you the way that they were designed to help you. So that was a, a piece of advice that I gave people. Another piece of advice that I gave them was, while you are in treatment, take that time to learn absolutely as much about recovery as you possibly can. Uh, whatever your chosen program of recovery is, uh, and there's a number of programs that are out there, learn as much as you can about those. Read academic articles. Talk to people. Go to meetings. Read recovery literature. I have mentioned before, that my first year in recovery, I only read recovery literature. I did not read anything else. And I benefited from that and built that foundation, which helped me later on uh, when I was in a cycling accident and was in the hospital and had to have surgery and had to take some um, opiate-based medications. That really helped me get through that without relapsing on alcohol. During the pandemic, that is also another time where uh, having just built that foundation, spent that year really learning the recovery program of my choice and learning it and learning it well and learning as much as I could about addiction paid off, paid dividends during uh, this last year, you know, during, during the COVID era because I have not relapsed and I have no desire to relapse, but I have seen so many people that have, and that just meant that their recovery program was precarious to begin with. So that was another piece of advice. Just learn as much as you possibly can about addiction. Okay. So I'm going to talk one more time about, um, FHE Health, because again, they were just fantastic people, and I want to thank them for allowing me to come down and spend a, a few days with them. Um, so this episode is sponsored by FHE Health. FHE Health has been providing life-changing behavioral health services for more than 20 years. They treat substance abuse and mental health disorders in an individualized and comprehensive approach. Recognizing the specialized treatment needs of the first responder community, they've created Shatterproof, a dedicated program for law enforcement, fire rescue, in similar communities to receive treatment among peers. They're experienced in providing privacy and working with unions for employment. FHE Health is committed to providing the best care experience for our patients, for their families, and for our community. So learn more at FHEHealth.com. So another thing that I want to talk about is this concept of progress rather than perfections. Um, progress rather uh, progress not perfection and taking things in small bites and so what do I mean by that one of the things that I've noticed over the years with people that first come into recovery is that they think that you know you come in you stop drinking and you're well you're well that that's all recovery entails I just stopped drinking hey look I, I can go a week without drinking and I'm good and it just doesn't work that way. So if you're one of those that works the 12 steps, it's very common for people to come in and get, you know, step one, which is I'm powerless over alcohol. My life has become unmanageable. And people seem to understand that, that concept, and seem to understand that rather quickly. It's actually a very hard thing to put into practice, you know, this idea of powerlessness, meaning that that you are powerless over alcohol and it will beat you every time. It sounds simple enough but if it was all that simple, then people wouldn't relapse. You cannot touch alcohol under any circumstances at any time. 
and you can't fool with it. You have to push away from alcohol like it was a flame in a fire. You can't touch it. You need to move away from it. So step one is very, very difficult. Now, but when people think that they've got that under control, the next thing they want to go out and is tell everybody how sorry they are for the damage that they created in their lives and their own life and the, and the havoc. You know, that's that's step nine. So you people think they can go from step one to step nine because, you know, hey, why do I need to do all the work in between? Because... You know, I don't need to do that. I, I've stopped drinking. I'm going to tell everybody that I'm sorry. And then they're going to jump to step 12, which is having had that spiritual awakening, you carry the message to others who are suffering from alcohol. So people think, hey, I'm fine. I'm well now. I'm going to tell you how sorry I am. And then I'm going to go tell everybody how this is such a great thing. And, and you need to get a piece of this too. So 1, 9, and 12 is what people think uh, recovery is all about, at least initially. And that's not how it works, folks. That's just not how it works. You notice uh, the amends, which is, you know, going out and making amends with people is step nine. Okay. But there's, there's a lot of steps between one and nine, aren't there? And there's a reason for that, because you have to realize that the people that you harmed are not ready to hear from you. And the fact is, you're not ready to go talk to those people. There's a lot of work that has to be done between one and nine, and you can never forget that. And you need to do that work, and you need to get to that step when you are ready for that step. And this is going to seem like it's not perfect in the beginning because there's so much that you want to do. It's almost like that light came on, and you're riding that pink cloud that they talk about in recovery, meaning that you just feel so good that that you want to go out and you want to do it all, and you want to do it all overnight. You want to work all 12 steps in a week. And the fact is, it just doesn't work that way. There's no way that you're going to thoroughly work through the steps in that short of amount of time. And you're riding that pink cloud. And what we have to do is just take this piecemeal. And I, I've heard a saying in AA before, and that is that time takes time. And you need to be patient. And you need to work slowly and, and understand what you're doing and absorb the, the program, absorb the material, and really just work on yourself and allowing your body to heal physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of that. And then as you work through the program, the time will come when you are ready to go out and make those amends to people. And you have to understand that you spent a lot of time harming people, a lot of time, and in many cases, many years harming people. And that's not repaired overnight. And the fact is, if you're honest with yourself, many people that you harmed aren't interested in hearing how sorry you are. They want to see that you have changed. And that's what we call a living amends, meaning that you live your life in such a way that other people can see that you mean business and you have shown them that you have gotten well. You haven't told them that you got well, but you are showing them that you got well. So just take things in the small bits, in the small bites. You know, just resolve yourself. I'm going to go to a meeting today. I'm going to show up at work today. I'm going to show up at my kids' games. I'm going to go out on a date with my my spouse. I'm going to read a chapter out of uh, recovery literature tonight and just focus on that and meditate that. Take it in the small bits and be patient with yourself. That's why we talk about progress rather than perfection. You're not going to do any of this stuff perfectly in the beginning, and that's okay. That's okay. The idea is that we are working on getting better every single day. This is constant improvement. 
constant improvement, progress rather than perfection. And then the other thing that people deal with, because I heard from people that said that they're very concerned about how they're going to be received when they get back to their agency. I mean, after all, if you go to treatment, you know, you're gone for a month and other people have to take up your duties at work. Uh, if you have a family, maybe your spouse or loved ones taking uh, childcare duty. Um, so they're working all day and taking care of the kids, taking care of the bills, doing all the things that you are no longer helping with. And that could create resentments. You know, I, I know particularly in the first responder field, if other people are having to cover for you and doing work, there could be a lot of bitterness and, and a lot of resentment. Maybe they've been doing this for quite a long time due to your addiction. That's that's a real problem. And, and it's something that if you obsess over, it could lead you back to a relapse if you think about it too much. And just understand, this again is going to be an opportunity where you can... Uh, really just demonstrate your recovery and, and you know that be that living amends that when you get back to your agency, you can help others, you can be of service, you can go above and beyond in helping repair those relationships. That's that's what we do with our a living amends. But you are going to have this tendency to think quite a bit about what other people think of you. And I heard this line once and I believe that it's so true. Um, and that is that I'm getting over the need for um, other people to know that they hurt me, okay? Getting over that. And then also that um, this idea that other other people's opinions of me are none of my business. And that's something that you have to drill into your head that, A, those that have hurt me, and sometimes people have legitimately hurt you. Sometimes they legitimately have hurt you. But I'm getting over the need to let them know that they hurt me. You let that go. You move forward. You move forward in life. Just like you drive a car. You drive a car by looking through the windshield. You don't stare at the rearview mirror, the side mirrors. You're always looking forward. You're pressing forward. And whatever happened in the past, happened in the past. And there's nothing that you can do about it. You can't change it even if you want to. Right? All you can do is work on the present because you don't know if tomorrow is even going to be here. And you don't know what tomorrow holds. And you can't change the past. So you focus on the present and not worry about what other people did to you in the past. And if other people don't like you or they're holding a resentment against you because you weren't pulling your weight at work or you harmed them in some way, and no matter what you do, um, they, they're holding those grudges against you, just remember their opinion of you is frankly none of your business. You have but one mission and one mission only, and that is work on getting well and staying sober. And you have to stay focused upon that. Okay? So you want to work with your sponsor. And you, through your sponsor, you're going to be working through the steps. And you're going to be working with your sponsor because your sponsor is going to help you understand when you're getting caught in these traps of obsessing what other people think of you, getting caught in the trap of holding those grudges and being upset that people haven't forgiven you or being upset because they're talking about you behind your back. And a sponsor is going to help you sort through all of that so you can live your life to the fullest and keep progressing forward. Remember, time does take time, but time does pass. 
And in time, you're going to find that maybe at one time you were the person not carrying the load. You were the person that was calling out sick, not going to work. But that's not you anymore. It's not you anymore at all. You are somebody that is dependable. You are somebody that is working hard. You are someone that is reliable. You may be even finding that you are the most reliable person in your organization. And that's when you demonstrate just how good that you are. But that does take time. You got to let other people work on themselves. You know, you got to remember that uh, it's not just addicts and alcoholics that have issues. Everybody, I'm convinced now, everybody on the planet has issues. The benefit is we actually have a program that help us helps us work on our issues. If you think about it, everybody out there has issues, but they have no program to work on their issues. So while we're getting better, we're constantly improving, a lot of people just keep swimming in their resentments and swimming in their sickness and swimming in all of the problems that they have. And they are not getting better. But here's what you need to remember, that you got to let them work on themselves and you got to stop taking their inventory, meaning you need to stop sitting back and making a list of other people's wrongs and other people's problems. You, you pray for them, you hope for them, you try to help them where you can, but you worry about you. You clean your side of the street and you let other people clean their side of the street. You help them when they want help, but you focus on where you can be better, where you can be of service, where you can help others. That's what you want to focus on and you definitely want to stop taking their inventories. Um, you know, I like this saying too, and that is, you can only play tug of war if you're holding one end of the rope. So let it go. Let it go. I remember, not long ago actually, I I was in a job that I really did not like. And I was working in this job with some other people I had retired uh, from the FBI with. And, you know, many of these people were working the same place I was. And we all hated this place. We hated who we worked for, the work that we were doing, and just very, very angry. And the my coworkers uh, know that they know that I'm in recovery, and they would just complain in the morning. They would complain during the day. They would complain at work, and then they would go home and complain to their spouses about how how unhappy they were at work. And I had one of my coworkers ask me one day, you know, what my wife thought of, you know, the the issues that we were having at work. And I said, you know, I've I've never really talked to my sp- spouse about these problems and being an unhappy here. And they were just dumbfounded. They couldn't believe that I wasn't going home and complaining the way that they were to their spouses. And what I said to them was, that's the luxury that you have. You can sit in that. You can wallow in that. And you can constantly talk about how unhappy you are. I don't have that luxury. Not being in recovery. I can only let myself get so worked up and so upset. Because if I do that too much, then it's going to lead back to a first drink, and then we know where that leads to. I cannot do that. I stopped playing that tug-of-war. I stopped taking inventories. I stopped obsessing over how unhappy I would be at work. The nice thing about recovery is I've got those tools. That's what we're talking about. I've got the tools to be able to deal with this, whereas my coworkers, none of whom are in recovery, have tools. All they know is we're unhappy, and we're going to constantly talk about how unhappy we are. Now, I don't know what that leads to in their personal lives, uh, whether it's uh, you know some sort of addiction issue, or I do know this. I do know that they're not living life to its fullest. But I really tried to get to the point to where no matter how unhappy I was at work, 
The minute I left work, I turned it off and I focused on other things and focused on other people. Because we know that as long as we are working with other people, then we aren't obsessing over our own issues. And I get well while I am working with other people. That's the dirty little secret in all of this. But what I do not do is just sit around and lament about how unhappy I am about certain situations. And I've also learned that there is no job out there, no job out there that is worth you relapsing over. There's a lot of jobs out there. And if you are in a position that you are so unhappy that you're only, you believe that the only uh, way out of that is to drink or drug, then I would suggest getting another job because there's nothing that is worth, no job is worth doing that for. So you can't play tug of war if you aren't gla- grabbing the end of that rope. So those are some things that I talked about uh, when I was down there with the folks. And I hope this is helpful for you. And I know that these are just, these are things that I've done in my own life and I have found it helpful. And I hope that you will find it helpful as well because that's what we do in, in recovery. And so, folks, this episode has been sponsored by FHE Health. And according to SAMHSA, first responders are 30% more likely to develop behavioral health conditions like PTSD. FHE Health specializes in getting first responders better and cleared for duty. So find out more at FHEHealth.com. And so is I'd always like to say I don't represent any group. I do know that I talk about groups, but I don't represent them. And I don't represent anyone other than myself. And my only purpose is to give this information so you can hear what I've done and maybe it will help you and maybe you can use some of this information to help others. So if I've said anything that doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with, just discard that, but try to take information that you can use for yourself and help others as well. Because that's what we do in recovery. We help ourselves along the way and we help impart the knowledge we've gained to others as well. So with that, again, please visit our Facebook page, which is Recovery is Possible, and our website, which is VanMeterWellnessSolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing, and let me know if there's any topic that you're interested in hearing about, and I'd love to hear from you soon. So guys, we got some good podcasts coming up over the summer. We're in Maine right now, so it's going to be starting to heat up, and we're going to have some great guests, some great interviews. I know you're going to enjoy it, but most important, I know you're going to learn a lot from it. Guys, take care, and it's great talking with you as always.